0: Hello and welcome to the iChief's podcast series brought to you by the International Association of Fire Chiefs. This is where new ideas are born, leadership skills are discussed, and engaging topics are brought to the table. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief
1: of the city of Rogers, Arkansas, and a past IAFC president. And I'm Joe Powers, the managing director of IAFC's consulting firm, Emergency Services Consulting International. We're glad you're here. This podcast is designed for you and for the fire and emergency services community.
0: Before we dig into this week's important topic, make sure to check out our library of episodes at iefc.org slash podcasts and listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you think the content is great, go ahead and share it with your crew. Welcome back for the second podcast of 2023. Uh, I'm Tom Jenkins, uh, one of the co-hosts joined with Joe Powers and our guest today, Erics Gablix, who is the superintendent of the National Fire Academy. Erics, how long have you been at the NFA now? Uh, two and a half years. Well, tell us a little bit about that experience and what you bring to the the National Fire Academy coming from the state of Washington, if my memory serves me correctly, right? Well,
2: actually from Oregon, but that's okay. It's close. close. Um, It's close, but uh, it was an honor to join uh, the team at the U.S. Fire Administration about two and a half years ago as a superintendent, uh, obviously following uh, two people that are well known to your audience, uh, Chief Tanya Hoover, who Uh, formerly was the California State Fire Marshal, who uh, was the superintendent, and then now is the U.S. Fire Administrator, Deputy U.S. Fire Administrator. And then uh, previously to that, um, uh, Dr. Dennis O'Neill, who was not only the superintendent, but also uh, promoted up to be the Deputy U.S. Fire Administrator. So two people I respect very much, two people I work with. Uh, hand in hand, really, as a state training director from Oregon for a number of years. Uh, but it was a great opportunity to join the team uh, at the National Fire Academy. And, and really for a couple of reasons uh, that I think a lot of your listeners will, will connect with. One uh, is that uh, I was uh, my first exposure to the National Fire Academy was through a two day class held in New Jersey when I was a volunteer fire officer. So uh, the National Fire Academy brings nine two day classes to every state. Uh, I went to one of those classes and then they gave a flyer saying uh, you should come to the state weekend. So uh, another person from a neighboring fire department said, you know, we should go to the NFA. And I went to the state weekend and I was hooked because while the two day class I received off campus was fantastic, the experience on campus was unbelievable. Uh, And in part because of the campus, the structure, the history there. Uh, But the fact that I was really in a place where men and women from across the country come to receive professional development. So, so that kind of got me hooked in the NFA. Uh, I eventually uh, took additional resident classes, uh, you know, six day, two week. Uh, then I applied and was accepted into the executive fire officer, which I know is near and dear to both of you. Uh, and we're all alumni of that program, but uh, you know, that was my professional development vehicle. So I enjoyed that. Uh, finishing up EFO then gave me the impetus and finish my, uh, not to, finish, but to complete uh, a master's degree program in public policy. So I did that to kind of continue uh, to learn. Uh, And then I uh, applied and was asked to be on the Board of Visitors for the National Fire Academy. So uh, I did that for uh, four years. So that is a White House appointment. Uh, And the Board of Visitors is very equivalent to what most people think of like a Board of Trustees or a Board of Regents for a college. And even though the National Fire Academy isn't a college, Uh, or an academic institution. We do have a lot of partnerships there, Um, but the the Congress established in the Fire Prevention and Control Act, the Board of Visitors to be, if you will, the overseer of the National Fire Academy. So uh, the Board of Visitors uh, meets uh, three times a year. One of those is in person on campus. And they really look at everything from STEM to Stern. So they're looking at not only the curriculum, they're looking at our uh, evaluations from our students. uh, And they're also looking at the campus and our budget. So they make recommendations to uh, the US Fire Administrator, the FEMA Administrator that are public, and all of those are posted online uh, about how the National Fire Academy is doing. So um, that's my exposure to the NFA. And then as a state training director, um and I, I think this is a different piece that most people don't realize is but But the National Fire Academy has a partnership with the 50 state fire training systems across the country. So uh, in essence, it's a conveyor belt of information to and from. So uh, as a state training director in Oregon, my job was to make sure that the Oregon Fire Service Career Volunteer combination knew about the work taking place at the NFA in Emmitsburg, but also bringing classes to Oregon. Uh, And then on the same uh, token, letting the National Fire Academy know how they were doing and how they were reaching the students. So uh, in Oregon uh, I had a fire service uh, community of 13,000 plus or minus of which 75% uh, were volunteer. So you know getting classes for people that were in career Uh, positions were just as important to getting classes to people that were volunteers and uh, could only make a a two-day class. So a really good opportunity. So uh, when the position applied, um, I was having a great time in Oregon, but uh, I'd been with the state for 30 years, 10 as a director. Uh, I served under three governors. So I I had a great time. I enjoyed the organization. I love the people. I love the mission. Um, But the opportunity came up to put my name in for this and, you know, nine months later, I got a call. Would you like to be uh, the superintendent? My wife and I said, yep, let's do it. So uh, we packed everything we have and my wife would identify that I have a lot of fire stuff so that uh, a lot of that came across country. Uh, But uh, great opportunity to be in the the role I'm in now working for really the firefighters, uh, the fire officers and uh, the fire service partners across the country from coast to coast.
1: Eric, that's awesome. I think that, and, and maybe Tom already knew everything that you just said, but I didn't know half of the things that you said about the board of visitors and, and your background in the NFA. Um, so that's amazing. I think that I'm probably, well, I know that I'm the youngest uh, or the, the least senior EFO grad, you know, among the three of us. And I came through EFO, um, you know, partly under uh, Chief Hoover. And, you know, on our, during our first year um we, we got an update around where EFO was going to go. And for us, we were the last cohort to make it through the, you know, the, um, the four years. So can you, I, w- I would love to have a little, uh, an update around where the new EFO is going. Um, I have heard, I've heard some really great things and, and where does, uh, where does that program, you know, where's that program going over the next few years and, and how can people get involved? Yeah,
2: thanks, Joe, and and I appreciate your patience uh, with us at the National Fire Academy because you finished uh, under unprecedented times. Uh, not only were we in the middle of a pandemic, so we had to figure out how to get you and your cohort across the finish line, but we we're also transitioning uh, from the old curriculum to the new curriculum, right? So, so thank you and uh, all your classmates for for working with us and and you know sticking with it. Um, when, when I came to the NFA, uh, we were in the middle of a transition of the Executive Fire Officer program. Uh, and I saw insight on that when I was in the Board of Visitors because the staff reports out to the board on the projects. But the executive fire officer, the historic or legacy model, as we call it, was four years, four applied research papers. And then you completed the program. Um, so it was two weeks on campus, a paper and then followed up times four. Right. So four total. Um, but what we heard were two things. One is from the stakeholders, the students. Four years was just too long. It, it seemed very drawn out. Uh, it was very uh uh, hard for people to get away for four years knowing what their schedule is going to be because we have both current and future leaders, as you know, uh, both of you are also working while you're in the EFO program. So nothing at home stops. It's all on your desk or, or piling up in your email. So, so the feedback was four years was too long. The other feedback we received was that the academic rigor should be higher. And, and what we heard from that is it should really be at the master's degree level. Um, so, so we worked with our curriculum uh, design team with our stakeholders um, and, and built, if you will, a new and improved executive fire officer program. And not that there was anything wrong with the previous one. That had served us well. Um, but it's much like a fire truck. You know, after you drive it for 20 years, there's things that need to be updated. There are new things to be added. Um, so, so we needed to kind of get a new EFO program, respect the old one. Obviously, uh, those folks are working in the fire service. They're leaders from across the country doing great work, but we needed to refresh that. So uh, we brought in our stakeholders and the feedback we got was not only the academic rigor should be at the graduate level, which we worked on. Um, but the other thing that we really should focus on, and this came from people that employ fire chiefs and fire service leaders, but that the program should be focused on. The executive fire officer or the chief fire officer, and not the chief firefighter, uh, and that's something I, I think people hear and they they try to understand what I'm saying when I do that. But it's not the person that leaves the council chambers when there's a fire call. While that's important in some communities, that is the the officer in charge, and that you know they have a small department they have to go. But it's that that fire service leader that can sit in front of an elected group, it can sit in front of a community group and explain the needs of the fire rescue organization. So that could be human resource related, that could be contract related for bargaining units, that could be strategic planning, that could be where you're gonna put your next fire station, uh, that could be discussing a partnership, for example, uh, we can look at the tragedies going across the country uh, with active shooter incidents, right? An active shooter incident is a community incident. While fire EMS plays a key role as is law enforcement, so does public work, so does transportation, so does school districts. So having that well-rounded uh, person in the executive fire officer be able to do all of those things. So the pillars of the new EFO program focus on three very unique uh, segments. The first one is self, having that that leader understand who they are and, and how they think and how they react and, and how they take care of themselves. The second pillar is the organization that they are leading. Um, so understanding the men and women that they work with, right, on a daily basis, whether it's career volunteer combination, how does that organization function? And what are the challenges and the opportunities within? What are the strengths? And then the third one is the community, which is how does the fire rescue organization and how does that leader engage with the community that they serve? So so those are the three pillars that really built the new EFO program. Uh, we still include the Gettysburg Staff Ride, so that's part of the, the fourth element, if you will, because there are so many le- leadership lessons learned just up the road from our campus on the, at the Gettysburg Military Park. Um, so we, we did keep that piece, but really all the other elements are either updates or new to the previous program, really embracing those three pillars. Um, the other thing that we're excited about because of the work of our staff is that uh, the EFO program, our target was to get it recognized at the graduate level. Uh, we did submit the first three uh, segments of the EFO program to American College of Education, uh, which is a third party review that we pay for to have come in and assess our programs. Uh, and we now have those first three, first three classes recognized at the graduate level. Um, so so that's the added value for the people coming to EFO, um, is that now they can leave EFO, not only with a certificate in hand that they've completed a prestigious program, but also they can go down the street to their local college or university campus and say, I want to continue my professional development. Maybe I want to pursue a master's degree in public policy or a master's degree in fire administration, uh, whatever, but then they can convert those credits. And again, not every college or university recognizes it, but it gives them also that ability now to continue their professional development and seek a master's degree. So, so that's kind of a, a thumbnail, but we're really excited about where it's been. Uh, but we're also very aware that, you know, there were bumps and bruises along the way, because um, just like anytime you change anything. And and let's be honest, the fire service is very bound by tradition and culture. Uh, but when people heard the EFO program was changing, you know, that was kind of the shot heard around the world. Like, what's wrong with the program? Why are you doing that? How dare you? Uh, and it wasn't, again, that there was anything wrong with the legacy executive fire officer program. It was just tired and needed a refresh. So what we wanted to do is kind of capture all the good things from the old EFO program, but infuse all the new things that our current leaders need to know. Um, One of those, for example, is um, resilience. Resilience wasn't discussed in the old uh, legacy EFO program. Now it's a very big part of our new uh, understanding self because if that leader uh, doesn't understand who they are and doesn't understand how to take care of themselves, you know, how do we expect them to take care of their organization or community? So that's why we start with that as the foundational pillar.
0: I'm just, uh, I think I can speak on the behalf of Joe. I'm really glad that it got tougher after I got my certificate. So that was good timing on the part of DHS. Uh, that day. So one of the things I noticed, everything you said about the assessment and improvements of EFO, I think resonates. Uh, So many of the people that I went through with, it's like they graduated and within years they were retired. And um, it also seems like something else that may be of interest to our listeners is is what the NFA has to offer for chiefs. So like there's two two elements, I guess, to my question that I would love to hear your response on. One is you get a you get a chief like me. The last residency course I took was the fourth year of EFO. And even though I thought I would go back, now that's been 15 years ago, I guess, give or take, um, what 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 else is there besides EFO that a, that a chief officer might need to be aware of or a resource? And then the other part to that, Eric, is what, what does a chief need to know today about the resources, the other curriculum opportunities with the NFA, so that we're sending our people there um, and using that, this uh, that treasure that sometimes I think gets a little uh, overlooked. Yeah,
2: and, and it's a great question, and it actually opens up a lot of things as as we discuss this. But but one is what I'll say to both of you, and I know you well enough, that even though you're graduates of the EFO program and you you haven't been back on campus since that, I know you're mentoring other people and encouraging them to come to the National Fire Academy, right? So there's different ways that we continue to give back. Uh, we also have a number of people that are EFO uh, alumni that are instructors for us, both on and off campus. So there's different ways that we continue to serve, not just the, the NFA, right, but the American Fire Service. Because, you know, somewhere someone told us we should apply for this course, right? And we didn't think anything of it, and we did. And it's probably one of the best things we ever encountered. And as a result, we kept coming back, and now we're telling other people to come. So so if you look at today's fire service, which is complex, Uh, If you look at people that are in a leadership role uh, as, let's say, the fire chief, the five bugle chief, we expect them to understand how to use and analyze data, but we also want them to be able to use that data to make it uh, not complicated so they can explain it to their city manager or their elected officials uh, to look at where fire stations should be placed or should an additional ambulance be put in the service or or maybe additional staffing. So we want to understand data. Uh, We also want that person to understand finances and budgeting. Uh, we also want them to understand community risk reduction. So as much as we spend time talking about responding to calls, and, and that's the sexy part, if you will, of of the fire service is, is you know, jumping on the engine or the rig uh, and heading to a call and helping somebody in need. The other part is how do we mitigate those incidents from not even happening, right? So, so if our community, if we understand how to use our fire data and look at our problems, and not just fire data but response data, you, you know, we may have an issue with uh, – Uh, multi-family housing units. We might have an issue with, uh, you know, abandoned vehicles. Uh, We may have an issue, uh, and let's use a tragic example, we may have an issue in a community uh, where children are drowning in pools, right? So through an analysis, we could do community risk reduction and say, you know, what are the issues facing our community? How do we work with our partners to mitigate those so that we don't have to go to those tragic calls? So, so CRR is a big part of it. The same one, uh, codes and standards, Uh, I think as you uh, look across the landscape of the United States, uh, as communities are having discussions about affordable housing, uh, we want our fire service leaders to understand the fire service codes and standards that have been put in place to have safe housing. So uh, there's not a town right now that's not looking at affordable housing, and I'm sure there's somebody sitting on the other side of the fire service saying, if we just lower the fire standards for this, these houses or these apartments would be a lot cheaper, right? So, So how do we not only have the awareness of that issue, but how do we have the ability to have that discussion with those elected officials to make that decision on what those codes and standards should be? Did the other one uh, we talk about taking care of our own right first level supervision uh, leadership type classes just for us. So even though EFO uh, may not be for everyone, you can come and take a, a one week or a two week class on a leadership specific topic. Uh, we have one that's very popular called new chief officer. This is a person that's just been promoted to that five bugle or four bugle role that we go through. These are the things that you should expect now that you're in the role of the fire chief. So that's well received. Uh, We just piloted a new class called special operations teams, uh, which is that fire officer, uh, even that team leader that you have assigned to develop a water rescue team, a hazmat team, a community risk reduction team. Right. What does it take to have a team? It's not just going and I'll use technical rescue. It's not just going to the fire expo and buying a bunch of rope and repelling gear, right? It's the policies, the procedures, the risk, the the expenses, the training, all those things that you and your role as the chief and that city manager is going to want to know, okay, now we have one of these. What's it going to take to maintain it? What's it going to cost? So so we have that special operations program management class that's brand new. Uh, And then the other one that may not fit into leadership, but it does um, but it's the incident management training that we offer because we also are leaders on the fire ground, even though in a lot of communities, the, the, the chief may not be the one responding to those day to day calls. In some communities, they are right. They are also the chief. They may be also the, the response officer, depending on how big their staffing is or isn't, uh, especially in a volunteer department. They may be that that career person that's going out on every call uh, and is the first one to get there to kind of spool it up and size it up. Um, But in incident management, we have a lot of classes for that first level officer, that person looking to be an officer so that they know how to properly manage an incident. Um, You know, a few weeks ago, I like to visit the classes and check in and visit uh, the students and find out what's going on. And uh, I talked to one of the students in the class that was a captain for seven years. uh, And and I said, you know, why did you want to come to this class? And he says, well, he says, I had this class when I was promoted. But he says, I've never taken charge of an incident since I've been a captain because the battalion chief was always first one there. And my concern is what if that battalion chief doesn't show up because I haven't run an incident. So they were back with us to basically do a refresh, which is great. But, you know, the National Fire Academy has a lot of opportunities in all those different areas. and, And the key thing is it's free of charge. So our classes on campus. We don't charge for the only expense for the participants is that they buy a meal ticket while they're on campus and they get to us, but we'll reimburse you for your travel, we'll provide lodging, and we'll provide world-class training. The other thing, which is added value, is that you will be in a classroom with peers from across the country. So uh, I know both of you, when you through executive fire officer, you were with people from other states and even other countries, depending on, you know, what's going on on campus at that time. But what you find out is that while the fire rescue service is very similar, it's also very different. So each communities, fire protection, each community's operations are very different based on what they are able to establish, what they're able to afford, what they've been able to implement, but also the changes that they're working through. So, uh, you know, what we're seeing in a lot of areas is what used to be historically uh volunteer departments now are kind of migrating to combination departments. We're seeing combination departments migrating to career departments. And that's not a criticism of the fire service or the communities or their membership. It's just the changing needs of the service demands in those areas. So, you know, where else can you sit in a class with 25 of your peers and have those discussions about what we're facing, not only nationally, but on a local level? But also have that resource afterwards where you can reach out to those 24 or 25 peers and say, hey, I'm working on this. Has anybody had that happen to you? Um, Probably within 48 hours, you'll get at least 15 emails with attachments saying, yeah, we just did a strategic plan on a new fire station or we're doing a a request for a a rescue squad. And and here's our business case. So, uh, again, that's a a very good networking tool uh, and also um, a safe place to have some discussions that are at times uncomfortable. Um, Because, you know, as chief officers, as leaders, um, we deal with very difficult issues. Those could be with our staff. Those could be with our uh, rank and file. Those could be with a council member. That could be with a community member. Um, But, you know, those discussions, if we brought an NFA class to a local community, may not be as open if everybody in that class is from that region where everybody knows but being on campus that safe place where you can be in there with peers from across the country and have that discussion you know whether you're from hawaii or california with somebody from alabama because we're all fire service leaders and we all bring that life experience to that environment so so that's the added value of, of coming on campus and taking opportunities of the classes we offer
1: yeah, I think you hit a couple of nails directly on the head. You know, the the perspective that you get from your peers when you're on campus is and the, and the relationships you make. You know, when you were talking about, you know, all of those relationships, I look down at my phone and I've got I've got multiple uh, um, uh, notifications from year two, year three and year four of EFO through GroupMe. You know, so we're still talking, you know, we're still working through community change, you know, from a nationwide standpoint. Um, and we continue to you know to you know maintain those connections. Yeah, I think one of the important things to to note is that you know coming going into as a as a as an EFO student going into um, the, the the worldwide pandemic of COVID nineteen and coming out, it was really interesting because the the NFA didn't didn't take the day off. They didn't, they didn't stop moving. You know, they, they, there was renovations being made. There were new roofs going on. The campus was being improved. Um, I mean, heck the, the ice cream machine even has its own Twitter handle now, you know, there, there's so much good stuff that happened, you know, during that lull, um, that, you know, coming to the, to, the on-campus now is, is a, is still an amazing experience if not better than, you know, it was in, in, in 2019 going into the, uh, the pandemic. Um, so yeah, any, so how do, how do folks get, um, what's the best way to find out what the offerings are from the NFA? How do we get word so more people can get involved?
2: Yeah, and that's it's a great question. And and let me say that the NFA is actually in every state. Right. So if you if you can't come to Emmitsburg, contact your state fire training director and find out when the two day classes are going to be offered in the state that you're in. I would also say if you're a department that wants to host one of the two day classes, let the state fire training director know that your department will love the host. Right. So it's pretty easy. You find us a classroom. uh, You host it and uh, the state will basically coordinate with us. So they'll pick the classes off the list we'll contract the instructor to come deliver the class. So, you know, the NFA is really right in your neighborhood. Now, having said that, I know that there are remote places that don't have the same access. Um, So the good news is we do have a number of virtual opportunities as well. So the NFA uh, is as far away as your keyboard. So you can log in and take an online class. We also uh, have entered the Zoom arena. So there are about nine classes we offer that are very Zoom uh, friendly, if you will. And that's allowed people in remote areas that have never been to an NFA class to receive Uh, a two-day professional development opportunity. Uh, Switching gears uh, on the campus side, um, there's really two ways to get to us. One of those is you can Google National Fire Academy vacancies, and that will bring up a list of classes that have empty seats uh, in them. So you won't get the full menu of our selections, but you'll see classes that we're looking to fill. The benefit to the person doing that is we'll get back to them within 72 hours if they've been accepted uh, and get them a letter so they know that they're in that class. So that's a good way to kind of on a short notice get in. Uh, On the other end, we have two enrollment periods a year. Uh, We call them semesters where we will say, this is our full menu of offerings. Please apply for the class that you're interested in. Please give us the dates. Uh, The key for our application is telling us that you meet the criteria for who should be in the classroom, right? So it doesn't matter that you're a battalion chief or a captain. We want to know why you're coming to the class and what you've done that meets those prerequisites. The other thing I'll share as part of this is, and and we haven't talked about this, but the fire service looks much different today than it did five years ago. And we have a lot of people coming in what I would call special or technical roles that are not a sworn firefighter Or a uniform firefighter or fire officer so community risk reduction is a great example uh departments across the country both career and volunteer are engaging people that have a passion for doing community outreach right their focus through a fire agency is by addressing fire life safety issues but you know if you have a civilian non-sworn career volunteer there's no reason they can't come to the nfa and take a community risk reduction class in fact we encourage it the same is true for youth fire center the same is true for ems right so so those are areas that are not fire service specific um so so they're available to your listeners as well to sign up or the chief might say hey i want you to sign up for this class because you're doing crr um and and you know we open up that door to others um so NFAs does a lot um what we're discussing right now internally is moving away from the two semester model and going to a four quarter model Uh, and the reason what we hear from our stakeholders it's really hard to predict what you're going to be doing in six months or seven months uh, the pandemic, of course, has exacerbated that because of medical leave and and long term illnesses. But also, um, you know, what we see is life changes, right? Position changes. Somebody, you know, may not have the coverage that they thought they were going to have for staffing because somebody is retired. Um, so we're looking to move to a quarterly enrollment system in 2024, uh, which we think will be more beneficial to our stakeholders, which are all of your listeners, right? Uh, it's probably easier to know what you're doing next quarter than in the next half year. So so those are just some some options out there. Um, the one thing we didn't mention, Joe, and I'll just cover this. Uh, we also have partnerships with more than 120 colleges, and universities uh, through a program we call FESHI, Fire and Emergency Services in Higher Education. Uh, so one of the things and it started under Dr. O'Neill was we really didn't have a national network between the US Fire Administration National Fire Academy with community college and university fire and emergency services programs. So through that partnership now, we've created kind of a core curriculum. So whether it's a fire department in Arkansas or in Oregon or New Jersey, a community college at associates level can embrace the national core curriculum. So they're teaching the same base courses across the country. uh, And that really kind of creates a network for all of us. We did the same thing. At the university level. So we have the national professional development model uh, that embraces not only training and education experience, but brings those academic partners together. Uh, You know, with EFO, Executive Fire Officer. Um, you know, uh, our staff right now is working with academic institutions that are not fire and EMS related, but they do have an amazing public uh, management program. Uh, so we are entering into agreements with them where they will recognize the executive fire officer toward going towards your master's degree at a college university. So so again, we're, we're not the only game in town, right? We, we value the partnerships and that's what we're all about. Uh, our mission is to serve state, local, tribal and territorial fire and rescue organizations, that's what we do. Uh, That fire emergency services, that FESHE partnership is added value and that brings another element to our professional development. Uh, loop And then, of course, the classes that we offer and the states offer uh, are also part of that. So, so a lot of opportunities for people to take advantage of. Uh, but again, we realize that, you know, there's a lot more choices now than there were five years ago. The Internet has changed all that. You know, you can go online and take college programs. You can go online and take fire service training programs. And, and, and we're also in that space. Uh, but we are in a much better place now um, because way back there were only six or seven when I started. I'm dating myself. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in fire administration. It came through the U.S. Fire Administration degree to distance program uh, where the U.S. Fire Administration partnered with six universities across the country. Uh, and, you know, I went through Western Oregon University and my bachelor's. I had folks from Alaska Fire Service, Idaho uh, and other Western states. So we were on campus for some classes. But it, uh, at that po- time, we did classes virtually, you know, i.e., you got a book in the mail, you read it. And you set your papers, in. so so we're in a much better place now uh, because of the internet and a lot more opportunities than ever. So it's uh, it's pretty cool where things are going.
0: Well, I love your energy, Eric's, and and I think it's uh, it's important for our listeners uh, who download this podcast to know uh, you were you were in Arkansas just within the last year, right? Visiting with uh, Chiefs in uh, my neighborhood. Uh, you're in Georgia today, talking to the Georgia Fire Chiefs, I think, and so. You, you, we're, we're dealing with just a, a long line of NFAA superintendents who, who care. And, and and it just always comes across so genuine, whether it was Dr. Yes. O'Neill, uh, Tanya Hoover, or of course yes. now you, it, it's just so refreshing as a fire chief to know that we have people who care about higher education, professional development, taking care of our women and men out there on the line at the national level. Um, you know, it just, it, it, there's very few opportunities where you feel like the federal government really has your back. You all are an example where as a fire chief, I feel like I know you're up there trying to make it better for us. I mean that is as genuine as I, I can mean it. And so thank you for for chatting with Joe and I today. We appreciate it very much.
2: No, very much appreciate the opportunity. And and you know, one of the things, and, and this is a key, right? Still today in 2023. There are people that don't know that we have a National Fire Academy, U.S. Fire Administration, right? So I think it's up to all of us to kind of keep getting the word out. So so thank you so much for having me on the program and and thank you for your support. And thanks
0: for your friendship. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've been chatting with Eric Gablix, who's the superintendent of the National Fire Academy. So our homework for fire chiefs uh, for this second episode of 2023 is simple check out what the NFA is doing. Uh, their website's uh, usfa.fema.gov slash NFA. Take a look at their class list. And even if you're super familiar with the offerings and the good work of the National Fire Academy, then your homework is to spread it to somebody else within your organization. That, that's just a resource that we need to get out there. For all of our listeners out there, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us. If you like the content, what Joe and I are, are doing, please leave a rating. If you don't, you can leave that alone and uh, recommend the podcast to other fire chiefs in the business. We want to make sure that we're reaching our customers out there, uh, good members of the Fire Chiefs Association. Thank you for joining us today. Be safe and we'll talk again soon.